Hey everyone, welcome back to Needed Conversations. This is Ryan and Victoria Cole. We're so excited that you're joining us right now. We are in the heat of election season in the United States of America. It is 40 something days from the election, which is really no time at all. And there's a lot of issues uh, on the table. And what we wanted to talk about were the needed conversations as it pertains to how Christians should vote. We know our worldview is a biblical one, that we look to the Bible as our source of inspiration um, for how we should vote. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to uh, all of the issues that are on the table for voters right now, um, most people push off Christians um, and invalidate their opinion as being, you know, too radical or too religious, or there needs to be a separation of church and state. But we as Christians should refuse to be muzzled. Mm -hmm. If every other group is demanding that their values be brought to the table, so should we. Right. And so that's what we've been focusing on the last couple of weeks. We address the issue of abortion, which for many Christians is the number one issue, mm -hmm. protecting the life of the unborn. But then also addressing the fact that we're not just for, you know, making sure that children are able to be born, but that they also thrive throughout their childhood and adolescence and into adulthood, which really speaks to your quality of life as a whole. Mm -hmm. And we should we as Christians should be concerned about uh, about those things. One of the major um, issues at hand and really with every election is health care. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to take maybe a few episodes and discuss how should Christians approach health care and really talk about, you know, what each party uh, ticket stands for in terms of how they approach health care and what they believe the solution is. And the truth is, is that it's a very complicated issue. It is. Yeah. And we wanted to start by just sharing our experience with healthcare, mm -hmm. what we felt like um, was the greatest challenges uh, during times when we've been sick, when loved ones of ours have had major illnesses or surgeries, and also um, having two babies. Mm -hmm. What was that experience like? Um, because first and foremost, I believe that our healthcare system isn't prioritizing the health of human beings from a holistic perspective, mm -hmm. but it's more like sick care. Mm -hmm. that, that every time you go to the doctor or the hospital, it's because you're wanting this symptom to be cured. Mm -hmm. And that's the wrong way to me to approach health care. And what we end up doing is we end up medicating everybody. And then there are no um, restrictions on the pharmaceutical industry and how they're charging and um, being able to take medicines that cause other challenges that then with, have to be medicated. On more medication, yeah. One medicine gives way to another medicine. And before mm -hmm. you know it, you're 60 years old and you have the box of pills and it's 20 pills a day or whatever the crazy number is. And, you know, we've all had elderly loved ones who, who have those pill boxes and we wonder to ourselves, does the end of your life really come to this? Right. Medicating every ache and pain. Mm -hmm. So we want to share our experience. Uh, first off, Victoria, what are, what are your thoughts about healthcare in general? You know, it's interesting. I, I feel like everything does happen for a reason. Like I actually worked in the medical industry. I wanted to become a nurse. Uh, but I actually decided to step away from schooling and um, get my CNA certification, which is only about six months uh, at a community college. 
Um, and so I stepped into like the hospital setting or the doctor's offices because I wanted to see if it's something that I really wanted to do, which I love. I love serving people. I love helping people, you know, blood and all that stuff did not scare me. Um, I was willing to learn. But what I have seen is what you were saying is it's a really broken system. And, you know, uh, these nurses are out there and doctors are working and they have to submit themselves to a specific system. And I understand because of, you know, liability issues, there are some things that, you know, come into play. There's paperwork, people suing uh, nurses and doctors. So there's a lot that's on the line. And I think that that's another reason why, you know, I think medical is medicine in general is so expensive like i know in my country you only go to a doctor or a hospital when you're in dire need uh mm -hmm. you know for the majority of the times and from what i remember in our system in our, our hospital system if you ever came to the hospital you were put on a specific diet and it wasn't like you know fries or liquids which is filled with a bunch of like colorants which doesn't make sense to me it was like oatmeal it was very you're talking about approach. the food that they even serve yeah you even the food yeah. and you, you know most people you know if that's not in their routine they you know would be kind of grossed out and like i miss my regular food but they're really worked hard to try to be like bring you to a place of you know wholeness and what i've learned you know with my time at the hospital and in these uh, doctor's offices is that that there was no care in regards to a person's Number one, mental health. Number two, um, really going to the root of the problem, you know, addressing mm -hmm. their health issues in regards to the foods that they eat, to what they're exposed to. It's really like, oh, okay, so this is a symptom. Let's try this medicine. And what most people will be shocked to know is that most doctors are not even, you know, because there's so many medications coming out all the time, the one that knows more about medication is the pharmacist. So your physician will actually call and ask, hey, uh, can I mix this and this and this together? Because if like a person is taking blood pressure medication and they're putting them on some other medication that can have some adverse side effects. So I've even seen physicians not even being aware of what these medications totally do. They're just been taught, okay, this one right here treats a specific symptom. Mm -hmm. But again, I feel like that we don't address the, the, um, the actual root of the problem. And I think that that's a major problem because it, it creates like this ripple effect and this person keeps coming back, uh, you know, because they're getting some other side effects and now we're putting them on more medication and that's just and, not and a And sometimes way to... it's intentional and sometimes it's not. And then it's just the, the, the chaos of the machinery, which me, which is like the fact that pharmaceutical companies are courting these doctors and then, um, they're basically pushing a certain medication because there's certain incentives and kickbacks and all of that kind of thing, all, all that kind of stuff. And when it comes to uh, healthcare, just to kind of lay out what the positions are, which I think are very far end of the spectrum. And I think that what we really need is somewhere in between. Mm -hmm. And then we as Christians should add another layer to that, which we're going to discuss. Mm -hmm. But you're basically looking at a two-party ticket. Yes, there are, you know, libertarian parties, uh, other in between. But um, when it comes to voting, pretty much at this point in time, you have Republican and you have Democrat. Mm -hmm. Right now, on the Democratic side, they've moved very progressive, what they would call progressive, but really it's radical in a lot of ways. <clears throat> but on the healthcare front, um, they're promoting universal health care mm -hmm. or Medicare for all. 
Now, the vast majority of Americans are are going to reject that notion on first at, at first glance. Um, so what they're doing is they're wanting to ease you into it, which mm-hmm. to me was what happened with Obamacare. Mm-hmm. You had this more a universal style health care, which gave access to everyone, um, but they allowed people to keep their private insurance. And so... Um, but the plan was always to slowly wean people off of that private insurance until we got to a full universal healthcare style of, of insurance and, mm-hmm. and providing of healthcare. And the talking point on the left or for Democrats is that healthcare is a right. Mm-hmm. And so that's the belief that is driving those certain principles. Now, on the Republican side, Republicans view healthcare as more of a commodity, mm-hmm. and um, uh, providing healthcare is um, for the most disenfranchised in, in our populations is also a priority, and that's why we have things like Medicaid, Medicare, caring mm-hmm. for for children, and the elderly populations, um, and then incentivizing. Uh, healthcare providers and innovations within the healthcare community by creating competition in the marketplace, mm-hmm. which which in turn uh, will empower more people to want to be educated, to become doctors, scientists to discover medical breakthroughs, and in the end, you know, be able to b- provide a higher quality of care. Um, versus on the other end of the spectrum with universal health care, everyone might have access to health care, but the quality is going to significantly diminish. Mm-hmm. And so then you ask yourself, well, what what do you value? And it's a tug of war because in, in one sense of, of, of the equation, you say to yourself, well, I think it, it's a good thing that everyone be cared for that are sick and in, in their time of need. But... Would would that be enough to sacrifice quality of care on the other end? Mm-hmm. So everybody has health care, but you, you, you never know that you're going to, whether or not it's going to work for you mm-hmm. or how long the lines are going to be or mm-hmm. how long it's going to take for you to be cared for and whether or not you're going to die in the process. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's another thing that, you know, when I was researching this, that other countries that we so highly speak of that have this universal health care, number one, you're getting taxed a ton and then you're not getting a lot of choice in regards to what physician you go. And then the average wait for these people are is five months. Yeah. And that's for a medical emergency. So you can't even get in to see a physician because, you know, you, it, the, the lines are just so huge. And again, like you said, it's not there's not an incentive for people to go to school because medical school, let's be real, is expensive yeah. to spend so much money to know that you're going to have all these loans to pay back to be put in uh, a place where you're going to be restricted so that you have, you know, a specific way to care for people. And then they're going to put a cap on how much you get paid. And that's not an incentive for a physician to go through school. Well, when you when you label something a right, then that means that the government is empowered to force individuals to provide care Mm -hmm. at a certain cost. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that means that the doctors will be um, limited on, on how on how much they can make. 
and what kind of service they can provide Mm -hmm. and what kind of um, medicines they can offer. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the challenges on on both ends, right? If you think that you're going to rid the system of corruption completely, you're just ignorant. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be evil people who try to capitalize off of um, whatever system is is at, at play. Now, there's systems that incentivize corruption more than others, and we can address that. But we're not going to rid ourselves of corruption. So that's just first off. Mm-hmm. Okay, so on the left, on the Democrat side, with universal health care. So you call it a right. You force medical practitioners to... Um, provide health care for everyone, you increase the demand, and you lessen the supply. That means you spread out very thinly the quality of care among everyone. And then we think in our mind that the government just is able to print money and do whatever they want, but somebody's going to pay for it. Even right. uh, Joe Biden, along with some of the more radical uh, ends of the Democratic Party, like Bernie Sanders, Alexandria, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, they all admit that taxes will be raised right. for everyone, not just the upper class, in order to take care of this. And this is only one part of the package that needs to be paid for in, in their plans. You know, health care, they want free education, higher education. They also want um, uh, the Green New Deal to be funded as well. And those are all issues that we can address. But when it comes to health care, what they're, what they're saying is it's a right and we're going to pay for it. That's the, what they're selling you on. But in fact, you're going to pay for it. And I was just looking at some statistics from the Heritage Foundation that says three out of four Americans would be worse off financially under a Medicare for all scenario. Um, and what that means is right now, our employers are incentivized to add that in as a part of their packages, mm-hmm. healthcare. Mm-hmm. When you eliminate that, that means the the full cost of the healthcare would go upon the tax paying dollar. So that means the taxes would increase for everyone. And according to their research at the Heritage Foundation, that the average income of the middle class American would would shrink by ten thousand five hundred and forty four dollars. And that 87% of people would be financially worse off. And it's even worse for lower income working families, especially when you talk about deductibles, you talk about some of uh, some of all of these issues. Mm-hmm. So this these are the problems with universal health care. This is what I say. Unfortunately, it's an, a beautiful statement for us to say universal uh, health care is a right. Mm-hmm. But it's just not true. Mm-hmm. Healthcare is a need, but it's not a right. Mm-hmm. When you say something is a right, um, that means that everyone should have access to it without measure. It's like oxygen. Oxygen is a right. You're born and nobody can take that oxygen from you because it's just here. It's inherent within nature unless we destroy the planet, right? Oxygen is a free commodity for or is a free um a right for every human being like you don't have to pay for oxygen you know you might have better oxygen or better quality of 
of air in certain cities, but just in general, when you're born, you get oxygen for free. Mm-hmm. That that means it's it's a right. But as as far as a, a need, it's like saying food is a need. So I, a food is a right. Food is a need, but right. food is not a right. Right. You know, and look at look at food as a primary example. So if you declare food a right, then you start pushing policies like welfare programs that, you know, give out food stamps and Mm -hmm. government food. Mm -hmm. Look at the food. All of us, well, I know I have, you have uh, experienced that kind of food Mm -hmm. that they're giving on on welfare, you know. Mm -hmm. It's not quality food. Everybody jokes about government cheese. Everybody jokes about all the crappy processed foods, which in turn worsens the health and the livelihood of the people who are eating it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And look at look at socialized economies where the people have to stand in line for bread. You know, the fact of the matter, food is not a right. It's a need. We need it for survival. The same thing can be said about electricity. The same thing can even now be said about Internet mm-hmm. is that we have a need in our society to access these commodities. But they're but they're not rights. You don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you don't have to have, you know what I mean? I, I don't know if that makes sense. Well, I mean, we something that we've personally, you know, came, came across is I feel like that we work really hard, you know, and we started off with paying, I think you paid $30 for you. That was like seven years ago through the employer. Right. And then they had an HSA account, which was like money set aside every year from the company, which you could utilize for your medical expenses, uh-huh. which was kind of helpful. Um, and I think it rolled over. And then when uh, we came together, I think it was like, I think the most we were paying per month was $120 yeah, it was like $120, for the $120, but again, you know, we, we did have to pay small things out of pocket, but we tried to stay healthy and active. And then once the kids started came along, coming well, along. It wasn't just the kids. It was when the Obamacare and, uh, became widely distributed or, or uh, enacted. They created that um, where you had to pay a penalty if you didn't have health insurance. Right. Right there. And we actually sat down and we were like, well, we would rather just pay the penalty because looking at all the insurances and the the what they were uh-huh. offering was crazy. For us, it was a house payment, not even including all of our kids. It was not even. So it went you. from thirty dollars to to one hundred and twenty. To then, it went to almost $800 and that was for our a, family. That was with a $10,000 deductible, which means that I had, you know, there was some wellness things included, but it was like so minimal. You still had to pay the doctor's visit if you had an emergency. So all of these things, we were sitting there thinking to ourselves, if we set this money aside, we could pay for everything ourselves in cash. You know, Right. We could put this money every single and month so, in an investment account and make interest and then take care of whatever we needed. So I feel like what as healthy young people, as healthy young people. And you know what, what we found was really unfair. And honestly, I'm not, you know, bashing on anybody that's on Medicaid or Medicare, because I grew up on that. You know, we first came to America, we didn't have anything. So we grew up on these, uh, you know, welfare systems like EBT, um, you know, Medicaid, Medicare, because I mean, there was 12 of us. And that was kind of like a given program to us at that time. And we slowly weaned, you know, ourselves out of it. Um, once we established and got a job. So, um, but yeah, I just feel like it's so unfair, even like when 
now that we are, you know, working class citizens and we're working really hard to, you know, start up our own businesses and then, you know, maintaining our job. And then the issue that we came across, you know, is having these high, um, uh, high premiums that we had to pay. And then, you know, we were not qualifying for anything. You know, we, when we try to apply for yeah, any none, of the none help, of the assistance, because we, we got we, we because technically applied to the yeah, Obamacare because yeah. we technically got paid too much uh, in their in their, um, you know, viewpoint. And so, you know, I'm like, so how are we, you know, as really hardworking citizens having to like, you know, this whole term of receiving term uh, receiving health care for all. But then we working really really hard trying to provide for our family health-wise you know we're not able to do that because it the the health care uh costs are just ridiculous so we had to end up paying like the obamacare penalty and then we just did everything out of pocket and i, and I just want to clarify too obamacare isn't completely horrible i think for for a lot some people it works well if they get approved depending yeah. on their circumstances and um but I think that there's a lot of flaws that need to be worked out. A lot of Republicans actually look at Obamacare and say, say we can revise it. We can make it better. Uh, the Republican Party as a whole wants to repeal and replace, which I don't know if that's the solution either. Um, and, and I just want to bring a little point of clarity when I'm saying that health care is a need. It's not a right. Because when you say that something's a right, that you then you demand that a third party provide it for you, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, and that third party being the government by and of the people who are paying for it. So even when I say that food is not a right, um, there, there are free options for food as well. And when I say free... I mean, back in the day, we used to hunters and gatherers and you'd pull something together in the woods and you'd survive, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. But as Christians, we add the additional layer that as a community, we should pull our resources together to be able to provide food for those in need, mm -hmm. to be able to support those who are sick and needing um healthcare in some way. And of course, we know the great physician. So that that is an incentive to be a part of our community because we believe in the power of prayer, healing uh, that comes through the blood of Jesus Christ, all of those things. So even when it comes to um, that responsibility as Christians, Food banks are amazing, but what about community gardens? That's mm, what I would love to right, see. Right, because there's training involved. And yes. that teaches you not only life skills, but also health-wise. Teaching people how to you know, plant their own food, you know, those kind of things gets everyone involved in educating them about what they're putting in their body, where it's coming from, how it's being sourced, how processed is it, what about the GMOs? And again, that lends to what the hospital system is, is sick care. It's not health care. If it was health care, we would be focusing more on diet and mental health and all of these other things that end up producing all of these sick people. Mm -hmm. So I, I wanted to bring that point of clarity. It, it, it's a, a thin line to divide in saying it's a need, but not a right. And again, the, the, the clarity there is if you declare something a right, you demand that a third party provide it for you mm -hmm. um and 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 or it it becomes readily 
readily accessible. And that's kind of like oxygen. Oxygen is readily available or accessible to anyone. But if we if we declare like that healthcare is a right, and I hope that I'm I'm making sense with this, then that would demand that a third party provide it for you because health healthcare isn't isn't something that just comes automatically mm -hmm. you, you know what i mean right i, I mean that, i guess some, it's, it's a little bit somebody has to but. pay for it for sure i mean there's you know supplies the medicine but you know we've actually talked about this as well that uh hospitals actually uh came from churches uh you know at the very right, beginning sure. the churches were the ones who who build and establish these um these hospitals i mean you see saint mary saint jude you know all these hospitals that were there but i think now i think what's happening is a lot of these are being bought out by the government or by the pharmaceutical companies mm -hmm. um and then they are pushing their own agenda and they're creating you know this machinery that's like you know incentivizing right. okay you get the shot or you do these then mm -hmm. the hospital gets this kind of benefit or bonus and i mean that that really does does not talk about, um, you know, the health and the well-being of a human being. Mm -hmm. It just puts them on a cycle. So we've we talked about <clears throat> um, the policies of the D Democrat Party. So the Republicans, again, we explained it. But what are the challenges? The challenges, I think, with capitalism in general, is that if there isn't if that the capitalism that you enact is not value based then it's easy for greed and corruption to set in. Mm -hmm. And I and I say this with the healthcare industry as well because we want to incentivize innovation, mm -hmm. which even people on the left will admit that, you know, there is in innovation that occurs in a capitalistic society. However, that that capitalism without the restraint of a values-based society will cause whoever is striving after the uh, what they would deem success or financial reward or wealth to step on the heads of everyone else on the way there. Mm -hmm. But when you add values based to this as uh, as a, a part of our a culture, then that brings that brings the restraints in. And then in addition, I think um, allowing those who make those big risks, who who um, who are end up in greed and then fall because of it? The government should not bail them out. The government should not. So so we we then incentivize the corruption, knowing that the government will bail you out. And if you remember Enron, if you remember any of these um, financial institutions that have been bailed out over the years, um, there was economic reasons behind it, but it incentivized people for being cor corrupt at the top mm. because everybody down the chain were affected except for the people at the top. Mm. They got away, you know, and with their millions intact. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, but when you talk about the healthcare system from a Republican perspective, what you have to be careful of is uh, the pharmaceutical industry, mm -hmm. the masking of prices, the monopolization of the industry. So you have um, one engine in a city 
dominating the healthcare system. I know when we were in Atlanta, it was Kaiser everywhere. Mm -hmm. And uh, there were a few others, but the hospitals were owned by the insurance company. Mm -hmm. Um, The doctors were employed by the insurance company. And it really felt like a DMV. It, it exactly they was actually a put it up as a DMV because you go to the laboratory because I you know we had our firstborn with Kaiser and you know they made it seem like it was holistic you know people like they called their uh, doctors midwives for the OB but they were they were not midwives it's completely separate because I had birth with midwife with my second child completely opposite but it literally you go to the laboratory and they like go take a number so you take a number you, you sit literally down, you pull wait, the little and they'll call tab. they'll yeah. call you just like they would at the dmv and i was like this is so weird um I, so that that again is a reflection too of what would happen if universal health care became a thing yeah um, but on the other side of it, it speaks to the negative aspect of what the Republicans are proposing, which is the um, the monopolization, the uh, the deception of the pharmaceutical industry, the incentivizing of sick people because the more sick people, the more clients we have, increase the the, the demand. That means that well, we have more when business. When I was, you know, kind of finishing up my, I guess, career in the medical industry, that's what we started calling them. We didn't. St- we stopped calling them patients. We're we're considering the considering them as customers. And right. I was like, I mean, that completely changes the per- perception, even of a healthcare professional to care for a patient for a person as a patient, like a sick person to help. No, now it's a customer. So, you know, when a doctor, before they go into the doctor's, uh, to your room, they usually check the insurance that you have because they'll know what to offer you. Because they know that that they, they can offer you different things based on what they know they can get, get out. out of it yeah. from a financial perspective. And part of me doesn't <clears throat> blame them because I know that they have to pay, you know, especially those private doctor's offices because mm-hmm. I have worked in the private uh, offices where they were not affiliated with the hospital at all. They worked with hospitals at some, t- at some points, but they were not under them. That means that they were not under their protocol. Um, And I totally understand that because let's say like Medicaid, and that's another issue with these government handouts is that um, the quality is so horrible that now most physicians don't even take Medicaid. Right. So you have Medicaid, but it's like, well, where do I go? Or it limits the doctors. so Well, the problem with it, and you're going back to the universal health care side of it, is that doctors, um, they don't want to accept it. Yeah, because it's really hard for them to get their money because right. the the paperwork, the everything that they have who to go Who wants through. to go through that hassle and be yeah. forced to say, this is who I'm going to accept as a patient or not? Yeah. You know, what if you're a doctor um, that has a patient who is refusing to abide by your protocols? I mean, you know, you can continue to see them if you want, but then what if they're also not paying and what if... What if it's just, you know, a big waste of your time if this person's not interested in their own health care as well right. and their own quality of living? But going back to the Republican side of things, the transparency in pricing is number one. I believe Donald Trump signed into legislation like a trans an act that would make hospitals have to give you a pricing list, mm. which in, in enables you to see a transparent display of products and services and it's it's like going to a restaurant and and choosing something to eat 
and them saying, well, we'll tell you how much it is after you've eaten it, mm-hmm. which is exactly what happens. I mean, who goes into a, a shopping scenario like that? We always know what the price is, you know, what, what we're going to be able to afford. And then we have the luxury of shopping around for the best price. And that probably you, incentivizes the hospital to, you know, produce better, you know. Well, then that incentivizes. Okay, well, if we're going to charge this much, we have to make it worth it. That right. our X-rays are more accurate, or our X-rays are are uh, more c- clear in how they display. Or, or maybe now, we specialize. Or in now we things. move beyond X-rays and we've developed a new type of thing that's very instantaneous that has less, mm-hmm. uh, you know, harmful effects of the uh, radiation, etc. And we're not, I'm not an expert. Victoria is not an expert on healthcare. I'm just laying it out as practical and common sense as I know it. And mm-hmm. if I get any of this wrong, just please give me grace for that. I've done my research, but it's such an exhaustive topic. I'm not in the medical field. I'm just an average American who wants to take care of my family. And right. I hope that we're coming across as that. Right, for sure. So you have that in over here, just these corrupt ways of masking prices that hopefully through this new legislation will will bring about some change. But I want to know if I need an x-ray that I can shop around and find the best price, or if I need blood work, or if I need an MRI, or if I need this kind of surgery, that I'm also able to find the best person, the most qualified at a price that I can afford Mm -hmm. or that my community can help support Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. So um, those are kind of the the options that we have. Now, we feel like that the solution is somewhere in between and that we as Christians also have of a, a you know greater level of privilege if we, in fact, abide by biblical principles to take care of one another and give everything that we have as a community to make sure that there's no one person who is left behind. So we wanted to take this first podcast today to just kind of lay out the scenario, let you a little, let you know a little bit about our experience with, with medicine. And we're going to go into more detail with that on the next podcast. So you, you want to make sure to join us. Um, we're going to be talking about what our pregnancy experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, Victoria's father was recently diagnosed with glioblastoma, mm-hmm. had brain surgery, dealing with cancer cancer is a big big deal we want to share our experience and then based on our research we want to lay out what we feel is the best solution and how that may affect your vote on november the third anything else you want to add on this episode honey yes and before we step into the second episode if you guys want us to address some things message us uh you know you can message us on instagram or you can message ryan through his website ryancoleempowerment.com we would love to hear from you guys from your perspective maybe your personal experience and maybe something that you feel like would bring about change in regards to helping our community if there's something that we're missing Yeah. yeah we definitely Uh, would be open to what your thoughts are. So comment, send us a DM. Hey, and if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe and hit that bell notification so you're updated whenever we go live. This is um, a YouTube channel where we're empowering you to fulfill your purpose, to walk out the call of God on your life, to live the abundant life that Jesus promised um, by accepting him in your life. So Make sure to comment below, like, help those algorithms 
Facebook, YouTube. We know there's levels of censorship, so we want to make sure that um, you get the content that you're subscribed to, so make sure you like and comment as well. Yes, we'll see you guys next time on our next episode. All right, see you next week.